Hi, welcome to Emmanuel Church. If you haven't been to a service, we'd love to see you there. Or if you want to hear our sermons online, go ahead and like us on Facebook and you'll get future sermons. We'll talk about Psalm 23. So this morning, we're going to be talking about Psalm 23. So if you have your cell phones or Bibles with you, please turn with me to um, Psalm 23, um, and we will look at this passage. We're actually going to go through the psalm three times. Um, And the reason we're going to go through it three times is because we're going to look at um, different ways of reading, the different levels that we can read this psalm at. Um, And I hope it becomes um, important to you as we do that. So let's begin. Um, The first thing you've got to do with any passage of Scripture is remember that it is writing. What does that mean? It's literature. Whether we infuse it with the meaning um, that I infuse it with, that believers in Jesus infuse it with, whether we read it that way or not, the first thing is that the Bible is literature. And so, first of all, we have to look at this poem as a poem and understand what the poet might be trying to say. Um, He starts off with, the Lord is my shepherd. Now, if God is my shepherd, the implication is that I am sheep, right? So, straight off, I'm sheep, okay? Um, But the the goal of calling me sheep is not to make me feel bad, um, but rather to let me know that he's taking care of me. Like a shepherd takes care of sheep, God is going to be there, and I'm not going to need anything. He's going to take me to the places where I can eat, take me to the places where I can drink. I am going to be looked after. And as in all poetry, um, the literal meaning yeah, is not what we're looking for, right? Um, God is not actually going to take me to a place that's green or take me to a calm water. What he's doing is giving me an image, a picture that I'm going to be taken care of. I'm looked after. And not only physical needs, but also spiritual needs. He starts here with, my soul is going to be restored. And he's going to take me on paths of righteousness. So he's going to lead me down the right path. I don't know about you guys. That's encouraging to me because I tend to not go down the right path. I tend to, you know, mess up on a regular basis. And here, God's saying, hey, look, I'm going to take you somewhere good. Um, And then, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, now I love that line. And so... Woe unto me when I discovered that it doesn't actually say that. Dang. Um, the Hebrew says, Begeit right? So the valley of darkness like the darkness of death, all right? Really, it should, just, it should just say the valley of deep darkness. Now, I'm a sheep in a valley of deep darkness. I guarantee you, death is on my mind, but... That's not the actual word. The actual word is a valley of deep darkness, a place where I am afraid. Even in those moments, I won't be afraid. Why? Because his rod and his staff will be with me. Now, rod has a specific meaning. Yeah, in Hebrew, shevet. Yeah, the shevet is there not to make me feel good or to hit away my enemies. It's actually to hit me. Okay? The rod is for hitting the sheep when the sheep decides, 
oh, that's a cliff, I should jump off it, right? The shepherd hits the sheep and keeps it from jumping off the cliff, or keep it from jumping into a hole, or keep it from doing something that a sheep might do because a sheep is dumb, okay? And we are, quite often, if we admit it, dumb, thank you very much. Glad that someone else said it, not just me. Um, but we're pretty dumb, and so sometimes God whacks us and keeps us on the right path. Um, the, um, uh, the staff, however, um, the actual word in Hebrew is mishenet. Yeah, the mishenet is something that I lean on. If you've ever seen a shepherd tied out there in the field leaning on his staff, yeah, it's because he's, it helps him relax, it helps the legs, yeah? So that's the other one. So one is for comfort, yeah? And the other is for discipline or to keep us on the right path. Um, but they're both there to keep us away um, from danger, from death, from things that are wrong. Then the poem switches into something completely different. All of a sudden, he says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. So still this, this picture of provision, but now provision despite the behavior of others, despite the fact that other people don't want me to have this provision, still God, in that peril, you're giving me something. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. So now it's just that the picture has gone from he gives me enough, even in difficult times, and then really forever, God looks out for me. So that is this general picture of the poem. Um, if, you, if you sort of ever see those, those like nice scenes with the sun in the sky, beautiful pastoral nature in front of you, that's the scene, that's the picture that this psalm is trying to give you. All is well, everything's good. Now let's go over it again, but this time let's remember who wrote the poem. And the guy who wrote the poem is David. Now David has quite a long story, and David's story is full of, first of all, peril. Yeah? He does many messed up things, and those messed up things get him in trouble, right? So David decides that taking somebody else's wife is a good idea at one point in his life, and that doesn't go well for him, because he eventually realizes that he's the terrible murderer in the story that his friend tells him, and he's like, oh my goodness, I'm a terrible person, and, well, yes, you are a terrible person, but he realizes it, recognizes it, and deals with the consequences of it, which is also quite terrible and sad. Twice in his life, Saul, who he thought was like a good friend of his, Saul tries to run after him and tries to kill him, and then David is such a negligent parent that in the end, one of his sons rises up to try and murder him and kill him. So David has had an up and down life, yeah? Maybe not as up and down as some of us want to identify with, but we also have the ups and downs. He had some real serious ups and downs in his life. And there, David, with all this life, writes this poem. And he starts off with a, an image that's very familiar to him, and that is, the Lord is my shepherd. Familiar because David indeed was a shepherd himself. But here he recognizes that after all of his shepherding and all the dumb sheep, he recognizes, let's be honest, in my life, I'm the sheep, all right? I'm the idiot that needs to be taken care of, and God stands there above me 
taking care of me, whacking me and helping me and comforting me through my life. Which, if you think about it, is a pretty cool thing for this guy to write. Because this is not just a poem that we discovered later in his diary, okay? This is a song that David writes and then is sung by people about his life. So there's a level of humility. There's a humbling place here as David writes this song um, because he knows people are going to sing. They know his story. They know his life. And they recognize that he is seeing himself as the sheep in this story of life. He lies me down by green pastures, by, by still waters. Yeah, he gives me everything that I need, restores my soul, leads me on paths of righteousness, keeping me away from the dumb stuff that I have done. Yeah, restoring my soul, despite the fact that I took Bathsheba and killed Uriah. And even though I walk through that dark, dark valley, even, and he's been through many literal dark valleys as well, yeah? But even though I walk through that place, that thin line between death and life, I actually know that God is going to be there for me. And his rod and his staff keeping me safe. And then this table in the presence of the enemies, yeah? That becomes a lot more real when we think about it in David's life, right? These are real enemies. This is not just Oh, the guy at work that doesn't like me very much. Or that neighbor who keeps gossiping about me. We're talking about real enemies. And enemies that not just hurt that I'm afraid of physically, but people who hurt me emotionally. Being chased down by your son who wants to kill you, yeah, that, that hurts on a much deeper level. And then you anoint my head with oil. Now, the anointing of the head with oil, in some cases, um, anointing throughout ancient history um, was a way of showing respect. It was a way of, you know, anointing your head with oil because they didn't exactly take showers every day. Um, but in this particular case, the anointing of the head, I think, clearly refers to the way that David was made king. Yeah? When you are anointed, you become a, the word Mashiach, Messiah, yeah, is the anointed one. Right? Anointing happened for priests, it happened for kings, it happened to prophets. All right? You have anointed me, you have made me special in your kingdom, in your, the way you want to manage this world. You have made me special. And this cup, yeah, unfortunately, again, the cup is unfortunately not overflowing, but it is full in the Hebrew. It not overflows, but it's full. Yeah? And it, the point is that the cup is so full that it satisfies me. I am satisfied I'm satisfied by this cup. And again, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. That's quite a statement of faith from a man who's been chased and hunted for very long periods of his life by all sorts of people. But now the last way that I want to read this psalm um, is now, I think, infusing it with the level of importance that we should infuse psalms with. Jesus and the New Testament writers use the Psalms continuously because the Psalms are more than just the hymn book, right? They're more than just the church's songs to sing. But poetry, both prophetic poetry and the poetry of the Psalms are there not for you to sing so that you can think about something interesting, 
But the song and the emotional level of poetry actually is asking you to draw yourself into the psalm, to actually sing your life into the psalm. So that when you feel these images and you think of David's life and of the imagery, that you actually see yourself right here in this psalm. And so when it says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, I don't just sort of philosophically think, oh yeah, you know, people are dumb, I can be dumb sometimes. But I actually think of the reality of my life and how many times I need God, how little control I have over my life. Um, my favorite window in this church is right at the back. Right in the middle there, there is a picture of a boat, um, the blue one. And the picture of a boat on the ocean has been for many years um, a Christian image of discipleship, yeah, the path of the disciple. Um, one, because God leads us, God guides us, yeah, his spirit, his wind, yeah, blows us forward, moves us on. But I think the most important image for me is that never have I felt more helpless yeah, and less capable of keeping myself safe or of guiding anything in my, than when I have been on a boat. A boat in the middle of the sea really is a, 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 a traveler of nature. And I have to deal with the fact that what the elements do, the elements are going to do. And it's in those moments that I seek God the most. It's in the moments of fear. When I am, you probably, guys probably don't get irrationally afraid like I do, but when I'm on a, on a plane and there's heavy turbulence, yeah, I'm praying, yeah, um, because it's in the moments when I feel most helpless that I seek the strongest person that I know, i.e. God, right, and that's what he is saying, right, and that's what we are asked, are called to come into when we enter into the psalm. And understand that there's so much to be thankful for in our lives. Yeah? Especially us. Yeah? Living here in Tel Aviv, often people are like, oh, you live in the Middle East, that's so scary. Really, come on, it's Tel Aviv. Yeah? It is a modern, westernized city. Yeah? I have all the amenities, all the nice things. Yeah? I moan if I don't have good Wi-Fi, just like everybody else. Yeah? You know, these are the things that I that I worry about, yeah? Not food, not water, not will I have shelter, not are my children safe, yeah? Which is a worry, a real concern and worry of so many people on this planet, yeah? I have amazing green pastures. I have wonderfully still waters to drink from. And yet, I find myself in those troubled places, and even despite the fact that I'm really quite spoiled and really quite complacent sometimes. God still comes to me and restores my soul. And even though I do, you know, really dumb stuff, I moan about the fact that I'm tired. Why am I tired? Because you've been watching Netflix until 2 a.m., yeah? It's really nothing that anyone else should have to listen to. It's your own fault. You did it to yourself, yeah? But still, yeah, despite my Netflixing and my silly stuff, he restores my soul. He guides me 
into paths of righteousness, into places where I can care for somebody or look after someone or speak to someone who's having a difficult moment. He gives me those things in my life. I don't deserve them. And even when I'm afraid, yeah? Even when I'm, I know he's going to be there. Even when I know, oh my goodness, I could really do something dumb right now and damage something, he whacks me, he keeps me on the straight path. He provides me with everything that I have. And when I come to the table, obviously as a Christian, it holds that second level of meaning. He doesn't just provide the food that I need despite the danger that it's around me. But he provides me with his body and with his blood, with his, with his flesh. and with, he, gives me, he gives me such grace that I don't deserve. And not only in the elements that we're going to partake of on the table, but in reality. He actually gave his life for me, was actually willing to bear all of my stupidity, all of my sheep-like behavior there upon himself, and to take it. And to, he lived my story on the cross. And he's calling me into his story to follow a life of grace and of goodness and of thankfulness despite my brokenness. That's the beauty of Psalm 23. And that's the goodness that awaits. When he ends with, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen.